I'd like to begin tonight by sharing Paul's prayer for the Ephesians from his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 15 and following. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe. Lord Jesus, we do believe that you are really, truly, substantially present with us here tonight. That you wanted to be here with us. And we thank you, Lord. We praise you for wanting to be here. For your great love that motivated you to be here with us tonight in the Blessed Sacrament. While at the same time, being at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. So we ask, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Holy Spirit, come. You can all say it with me. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We need you. We love you. We ask you to help us to see with your eyes, the eyes of Jesus, and to hear what it is that Jesus, the Good Shepherd, wants to speak to us tonight that will encourage us, that will strengthen us, that will heal us, that will give us peace and joy. Mother Mary, Our Lady of Refuge, we entrust this night of adoration and praise and worship to your Immaculate Heart, and we crown you the Queen of our time together here as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So tonight, I wanted to just reflect a little bit with you from the Gospels and sorry
Well, let me start with John 15, the Last Supper. And we're familiar with these passages, but I don't think they ever get old. Because these are some of the last things that Jesus said before he was crucified, before he went to his death. On the night that he instituted the priesthood and the blessed sacrament, he wanted to share these very intimate thoughts with his closest friends. And tonight, I felt like he wanted to share this with all of you as well. So Luke, so John chapter 15, let's start with verse 1. I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And you might say that the Holy Spirit is like the divine sap that runs through the vines and into the branches. Jesus literally communicating his divine life to us, making us members of his mystical body, temples of the Holy Spirit. And something that's dawned on me recently that I'll share here tonight is that we share in the anointing of Christ, which is literally the anointed one. Jesus, the Christ, is Jesus, the anointed one. He received the anointing at his baptism in his humanity. He needed to be anointed with power from on high, from his Father, who sent the Spirit. So to be a Christian doesn't just mean that we believe in Jesus. Because even the devil believes in Jesus, but he hates Jesus. So the essence of being a Christian is not just believing in Jesus. Being a Christian means that you share in the anointing that Jesus the Christ received. Which means you have power inside of you. You have divine power. You have divine life flowing through your veins. How cool is that? I 
think Jesus, by inviting us to abide in him, is inviting us to receive his divine life more and more. Imagine that. Jesus wants us to be united with him, to abide in him. So that we can receive from him his love, his embrace, his blessing, his healing, his strength, his power, his anointing, and much more. And much more. Especially his relationship with the Father. He wants us to have that relationship with the Father. And he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. There it is. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So it's a nice way of conceiving of the commandments. The commandments are just there to help us Stay connected to the vine. The commandments are there, not as a burden to us. God doesn't want to cramp our style. He wants us to stay connected, to stay united with him. He's trying to help. The commandments are there to help. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And he's sharing all of this with us, as he says, so that his joy can be in us. That's an indirect reference to the Spirit. Because what is his joy? It's the love of the Father. Think about it. What? What's a good definition of joy? I heard this. I really like it. To be in the presence of somebody that you know is happy to be with you, that makes you feel joyful. When you are in the presence of somebody that you know is happy to be with you. And Jesus, being in the presence of his eternal Father, knows that the Father is well pleased with him. And that's the Spirit coming from the Father into the Son, uniting them all in this communion of love, filling them all with joy. And God literally wants us to participate in that. Through the sacraments, When you were baptized, you were brought into that. 
And every time we receive Holy Communion, we are infused, you might say, with more of that, more divine life, more grace, more of God's power and presence. And notice how God just keeps pouring it out. He doesn't run out. He has no limits to his love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You, you are his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. God just wants to be your friend. God wants to be your friend. God wants to be your friend. Holy Spirit, help us to know that, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. Help us to experience that friendship more and more. Help us to be good friends of Jesus. Help us to abide in him so that he and you and the Father can abide in me more and more. Love one another as I have loved you. Not so easy, right? In fact, as he said earlier, just a few lines ago, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's true because Jesus is God and God is loving us in this way that is unconditional. It's really supernatural. It's not natural. It, in other words, it doesn't just come naturally. And we can't really give what we don't have. And, and we won't have anything to give unless we have first received. And I don't know how much we're going to receive if we don't what? Ask. Ask. Right? And that's why Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Another reason why we got to keep going back to the source we need to receive his love, abide, 
Some people call it soaking prayer. So that you're just soaked with the love of God. All of us here tonight are receiving the love of God. Some people compare adoration, sitting in the presence of God like this to laying out in the sun. And sometimes if you're in a really hot sun, you feel it. But I'm sure we've all had that occasion of being out in the sun too long and we didn't even really realize how much sun we were getting, as we say. In a similar way, here we are, gazing at the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the infinite source and wellspring of all grace and mercy. And you may not be feeling much of anything right now. You may not feel much of anything here all night. But that doesn't mean that you aren't receiving. Because sometimes the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, communicating with your spirit goes unnoticed. Sometimes it really is unperceptible. Sometimes we do experience something. Not always, sometimes. So sometimes the Spirit can provoke some kind of emotional reaction or even physical reaction or intellectual knowledge coming to us, a word coming to us, words, messages getting communicated, bringing us peace and courage. All that can happen and does happen. And that is what allows us to then fulfill this new commandment. So let's face it, we all have some people in our lives that are harder to love, right? Sometimes it's, it's, it's a challenge to love certain people. And I think it's helpful to ask Jesus to give you his heart for that person. Lord, give me your heart for that person that you know I find difficult to love sometimes. And it doesn't mean you have to like everybody. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody. But we certainly shouldn't be demonizing people. Let me repeat, we shouldn't be demonizing people including politicians. <laughs> you don't have to like what they do. You can even hate what they do, as a matter of fact. 
You can hate what people do, but you can't hate the person. You don't have to like the person. But God saved that person too. God shed his blood for that person too. And God sees the good and the beauty in that person who probably has a really hard time seeing it in themselves. Right? If you think about it. Because when we struggle, think about the times you've struggled in your life. Struggled to love, struggled to grow. If you're honest with yourself, you probably had a pretty poor image of yourself at that time. Maybe you're struggling with the image of yourself right now, which is undoubtedly related to our image of God because we're made in God's image and likeness. And so if we think God is a harsh taskmaster, then we're going to see ourselves as slaves, servants, functionaries. But I don't get any of that from tonight's reading. I don't know about you. But I heard friends, I heard father, I heard son, I heard love, I heard abide, I heard joy. That's what I heard. That's what God wants for you and for me. It's not said explicitly here, but it's certainly implied by abiding in God so that he can abide in you. And that word is intimacy. Intimacy with God. Yeah. Absolutely. Why do you think Jesus wanted to stay with us in the form of bread? Why did he want there to be holy communion in the church? Precisely so that he, the divine bridegroom, could be united with his bride, all of us, the church, and with you as a member of that church, his bride. That analogy doesn't get guys really excited, admittedly, necessarily. But it's more than just a physical thing, obviously. But it is a physical thing, too. It's not just a spiritual thing, either. There's real communion happening. So we ask God to give us his heart, his spirit, to love us, to help us receive all that he wants to give us, 
It's not that God ever stops loving us. Sometimes we just have a hard time receiving it. Again, that goes back to the image that we have of ourselves. We could pray tonight for the grace of a healthy self-esteem. Healthy self-esteem. I think we Catholics have a hard time with that sometimes. Don't want to get too proud. Don't be vain. But that's really a, a false humility. Because that's not how God looks at you. It's not how he sees you. He sees you with great love, with great admiration, great devotion, great joy and happiness. And I love to think about the fact that 2,000 years ago, when he was first instituting the Eucharist at the Last Supper, he knew that we would be here tonight. He knew we would be here tonight. And he was looking forward to being here with you tonight. And that motivated him to go through his passion. That motivated him to go through his passion and death and to rise from the dead. Because not only did he die for you, he rose for you to give you eternal life. To make of you a new creation, a new man, a new woman in the order of grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christian, know your dignity. God, help us to know our dignity, not because of what we do, not because of what we have, not because of any degree that I have or title that I have, not because of what people think about me, but because of who you are and what you have done for me. So Lord, give us your heart then for ourselves. Here's my prayer. I think I shared this on Sunday, but it bears repeating tonight. A great little prayer. Repeat after me. Lord, help me to see and love in myself. Lord, help me to see and love in myself what you see and love in me. What you see and love in me. And you keep praying that, and you will have a healthy self-esteem. You will come to know, in an experiential way, how God sees you, how he feels about you. And that will allow the love to come inside and to, in a sense, move out the sadness and the shame, and the blame, and the guilt, and the anger, and the anxiety, the fear. Because what does St. John say? 
about perfect love, God's perfect love, it casts out all fear. Gone. God's perfect love and fear can't coexist like oil and water, you know? Just can't happen. So Jesus, we pray that we can receive more and more of that perfect love of yours here tonight. We'll close here with these last couple verses of chapter 15. Uh, Well, this section anyway. This is 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you to love one another. God chose you. Repeat after me. God chose me. God chose me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I declare that God chose me. It's not that he needed you. He wanted you. He wanted to choose you to be his friend, to be his brother, his sister. He claimed you for himself. He said, I want that one. You're mine. I claim you for myself. Through myself and with myself and in myself, I claim you. I choose you. So you are chosen. Ha ha. How about that? Let's say it in the name of Jesus. I declare that I am chosen. That feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. To know that you are chosen. And let's pray that we can, again, experience that in a deeper way. Not just in our heads, but it helps to repeat it, for sure. The more we repeat that, the more we declare that, the more it tends to permeate our entire being. It gets down into our subconscious, and from our subconscious, the rest of our body is informed and conformed and transformed more and more into Jesus. Well, with that, I will pause.